Welcome to the Grow to Gold podcast. I am your host, Brett Goldstein. On, and on today's episode, we have the legendary Casey Ba. I am super excited to have Casey on. He is a serial entrepreneur. I know him from the door-to-door industry where he is known as a legend that has mentored so many people and has an absolute heart of gold. So excited to have Casey on today's episode. Casey, how are you doing today, my friend? Man, I'm doing so good. Thanks for having me on. It's exciting to reconnect with you um, after, you know, quite a few years and just kind of see how you're doing with your career. And I I love the podcast and everything you're putting together. So I'm pumped to be here. I'm excited, Casey. And you're going to deliver so much value today. So we'll set the bar high because I know you can deliver. So let's jump right in. So Casey, can you talk to us a little bit about how you got your start and where, where, where it's really led you to from a mindset perspective? Because for everybody that doesn't know, Casey got to start in door-to-door sales. I know some of the audience here is going to be from the, from the door-to-door space. Some of you aren't. So Casey, can you just fill in everybody and let us know kind of where the story begins with you? Yeah, well, when I look at my life now, kind of looking back, it, it really does feel like the American dream. Like it, it you know, I, I, I come from a middle-class family, seven kids, um, went to college. You know, my parents didn't have any money, so I was working my way through college. And ultimately, that's what led me to knocking doors was, you know, I had the summertime open um, and was going to college and wanted to, you know, I pay for school. I met my wife pretty young. Um, I got married when I was 23. And so I just had these responsibilities put on me that required me to go, you know, level up and to go make more money than I was making working an hourly job. And, you know, that, that's kind of what got me into the, the world of knocking doors. And, you know, the, this thing that was a summer job turned into a 15 year career and it was a really special career. Um, you know, from the people that I met to the, the skills that I developed from learning how to sell, learning how to lead people, learning how to manage people, learning how to, to do deals, learning how to negotiate, you know, and all the kind of the lessons that I learned along the way. And so, you know, that, that, that was kind of, that, that was my foundation getting into it. It was, uh, about the, the lowest rung on the food chain as you can get. Um, and it was, you know, but living in America with, you know, the opportunity to climb that ladder and it's been fun to climb the ladder. Yeah, that's amazing. And I appreciate you setting the, setting the tone for everybody. So you didn't come from wealth. You didn't come from a family of deal makers. You really had to network and build this reputation that you really have for yourself now, if I'm hearing you correctly on that, right? This was nothing was handed to you. Um, for sure. And that, that, I think that's like the greatest gift that's ever been given to me was that I didn't have the resources. You know, I, I don't think that I would have developed the muscle, the emotional muscle and the skill if I would have had them. And so, you know, you know, actually one of my big fears for my own kids is how do I, you know, teach them the same grittiness and the same resilience that I had to go learn because mine was learned out of necessity, you know, they're, they're going to have privileges and they're going to have opportunities that I never had, but they still have to go through the same process to go develop those same skills. You know, you can't, you can't fake the process. You can't cheat the law of the harvest. And so, yeah, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't have any of those things. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And if I did, if I heard this correctly, I think I heard it through the grapevine. You're a big proponent on, I believe you pay your kids every time they read a personal development book. Is that accurate? Yeah, and that, yep, and that happened from a mentor, you know, that me at a very young age, um, you know, if I, if I could tell your listeners anything that changed my life more than anything else um, was this lifelong passion and commitment to education. Uh, I, I think the university system screwed up right now. Um, I, I really do. I, I don't think, you know, the, the cost to get a college education today versus 30 or 40 years ago is just so astronomically different. There's, you know, over a trillion dollars of student debt is literally just built to, you know, bury kids at this point. Um, and so, but I, I'm, I'm the biggest proponent on earth of education, but most of my education came post-college. Most of my education came from surrounding myself by people, you know, mentors and leaders and role models that um, were doing the things that I aspired to go do and, and to be able to connect with them and learn from them. You know, those are the people who can teach you, the people who've, who've walked the road that you're, you're choosing to go walk. And, you know, and then just we, we live in, a, in an age today where we're irresponsible if we're not educated. You have YouTube, you've got, you know, um, Amazon, you've got Audible, you've got um, iTunes, you have every, every book, you have access to, you know, the internet, you have access to any bit of in information that you would ever want. And so for people to not be educated at this point, it's a lack of desire and direction more than it is a lack of opportunity because it's, it's all around us. You know, everybody has a smartphone, everybody has access to this stuff. And so it's a choice. And, and luckily at a young age, um, I had leaders that I looked up to that instilled this commitment to spend time every day investing in myself and fueling my brain and building my own capabilities. So I'd be ready for the challenges in the future. I love that. I love that. And, and, one of my favorite quotes is there's no shortage of information. There's just a shortage of people consuming it. And I think you really hit the nail on the head with that. So my question to you is Casey, and I think I know what you're going to say here, but how does somebody that's listening, like I have a client, for example, that I'm texting, I was texting with before jumping on here and she's in a position where she's surrounded by a lot of people that, that are good for her past, but not good for her future. If you know what I mean by that. How do you go about what practical and tactical advice would you give to somebody listening to this that knows they need to level up and knows that they need to surround themselves with mentors that are good for their future, not just their past? Um, so something that's interesting, people talk to me a lot about mentors. I don't have any mentors in my life that like came to me and said, hey, I'm going to be your mentor. You know what I mean? A lot of my mentors, they don't even know that they're my mentors. You know, it's, it's Clayton Christensen, it's Tom Peters, it's Tony, Tony Robbins, it's Stephen Covey. You know, it's, it's, you know, these people that left a legacy of knowledge and principles that I, you know, I, I was able to grasp on to their teachings and just became a student, you know? And so, um, and the mentors that I have in my life, they never set up a meeting with me to come mentor me. Every single one of them, it's me soliciting and making a phone call or shooting a text being flexible to go spend time with them, to take them to lunch, to go golfing with them, to do whatever I can. And proximity truly is power. When you surround yourself by people 
um, that are performing at a high level, you naturally level up, you see the world differently and you start assimilating to a higher level of performance and success. And this happens in high school sports. It happens in college sports. It happens in any degree of competition that you go into. When you start competing against a higher level of competition, you, you rise to the occasion. And, and the, the same principle applies with education. And so, you know, for me, mentors are everything. And so for, you know, your friend that has, you know, friends that are holding her down, you know, the, the, the problem is, you need to, when you change, your whole world will change. And so, so much of that change is just deciding that I'm not going to accept, accept mediocrity. Like I have standards and I'm going to level up and I'm going to go raise my standards because I, I care about myself enough that I'm not willing to live for less than I'm capable of, less than my potential. And so, you know, it's a choice, but the, the biggest way to change performance is to change your standards. And it sounds super simple. Um, but it's true, you know, the, the second you change, hey, this is who I am. This is my identity. That, that's, that's when your whole world will change around you. And you, you literally do attract the people and the resources into your life to go make it happen. All of us have seen this happen. Every single one of us has gone out and bought a car. And then you see that car on the road the next day. Or you see that car all around you because you changed. And all of a sudden now your, your eyes see the world different. That's the same thing with opportunity. When you change you just attract and you just see the world differently. So I totally agree. And, th and that what you're talking about there is that reticular activating system, right? It's when you buy that new car, it feels like that car was never, you never saw it before. And all of a sudden it's everywhere because it's you everywhere. tuned into it, you're yep, aligned with it, right? So it's the same thing. And this leads me exactly to my next point with you is there's no shortage of opportunities, but when you get yourself around the right people, all of a sudden the right things happen, right? You're tuned into those opportunities and you probably have more opportunities coming your way now than most people just because of the network and the team that you've built around yourself. So Casey, let's fast forward to today. You know, at this point now, I believe your, your, one of your companies has something like 80,000 um, homes around the country that you guys are managing. Is that, is that accurate? So that, that, that's a bigger number where we're at. We're at 35,000 homes. Sorry about that. Um, no, but we've deployed over $2 billion of equity. We have a, a billion dollars of assets in the pipeline. Um, we're partners with, you know, some major institutions that write, you know, billion dollar plus um, equity checks. And so, yeah, we kind of built a real estate em empire that, you know, is, is growing very actively. And, you know, that's one of a, a lot of companies we've invested in over the years that, you know, is growing and is growing, you know, in a, at an aggressive clip. That's amazing. And I think the overarching theme for you with business, and if there's one thing that I know about you, and I'd love for the audience to get a feel for this with you is that, and I think they already do, that you're not really just doing things from a capitalistic standpoint from you, from your, from your door to door perspective and who you are as a man. You know, I know you like to do things with your heart. I know family is very important to you. You're coming into these, into these homes that you guys are, are managing and you're revitalizing them. You're giving people a beautiful place to live. And to me, it seems like when you get into business, that's a big part of what you're looking to do is not just make money, but you're looking to do things that really do make the world kind of as cliche as it sounds a, a better place. I don't know if I'm getting that. No, correct. But, 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 but I think, you know, I, I, I'm as hardcore capitalist as there is. Like I, like I, I truly believe that capitalism um, is intuitive to human nature and it's, it's what, you know, has brought, billions of people out of poverty and into the middle class is capitalism. It's exchange. It's, it's exchanging ideas and resources and trading. Um, 
you know, but, but there's another component, which is what, what's it all about? You know, what, what, like, what, what's the, why are we doing this? And, and, you know, for me, you, you grow so that you have more to give back to the world. And it's, it's this cycle and it's adding value. And if you add value for people, they'll pay you for it. You know, any, I don't, I don't know who has been to Disneyland recently, but it's literally, you take out a second mortgage to go to Disneyland and we pay the, the highest premium for a ticket. And then we pay the highest premium because it adds so much, they, they add so much value for our family, for our kids. They, they deliver on such an exceptional level that we'll pay a disproportionate premium to go have that experience. And that's just how exchange works. Anytime there's a sale that takes place, anytime money is exchanged, it's because the person exchanging the money values what they're exchanging it for more than the capital that they have. And the person that's exchanging the value values the capital more than they're exchanging. And that's how capital works. And so, you know, um, on the manufactured housing strategy, um, our investment thesis is that there's an exponential crisis with affordable housing, that the, the cost of living is going through the roof, that there's no good solution in place. And that if we go create safe, affordable housing, that there's always going to be demand and all of our communities will be full. And, and we've, we've seen this on, on every, you know, every community that we've had when we go clean it up and when we go fix it and when we go make it safe and when we go make it the most affordable option, that there's tremendous demand for families to go have that solution in place. And it's the, you know, it's the workforce housing, it's the affordable housing that drives the, drives the economy. We, we have to have it. And it's non-sub, it's non-subsidized. It's not the government coming in and saying, Hey, here's a blanket check to come meet half of the demand. Ours, it's non-subsidized solution, which I think is, you know, the only sustainable solution that exists. So I I totally agree. And and I think the audience at this point, and I know myself has a very good gauge that obviously, you know what you're talking about. But again, I want to remind everybody, you were not born into a real estate family. This was something that you really had to work on your mindset. And I, and I really want to make sure we continue to touch on this aspect of it because I know there's people listening to this saying, this guy's amazing. He's super knowledgeable. He's doing something I couldn't do. But again, Casey, can you just touch on the importance of self-education, the importance of how your mindset transitioned and your confidence grew to be able to sit at these tables that you sit at through education and proximity to the people that you have in your life. No, like when you're saying like, you know, I'm not a real estate guy. Like I, I'm really not. I, I'm, a, I'm a deal guy and I'm a, I'm a relationship guy. Um, what I'm great at is partnering with experts in industries. And that, that skill set's actually more scalable than it, it, it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert in something. So if, if anything, I'd say I'm an expert in it's, it's in door to door sales. That's where I spent the, that's where I spent my whole career. You know, if I was starting a door to door company, I, I could step into that role with confidence that I could go be the best in the world in that space. But any of these other spaces, I'm not even trying to be the best in the world. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to find who is the best and how do I align myself and partner myself with those people and go add unique value in a way that I can, that they want to partner with me. And maybe it's, you know, being able to go attract 
the right capital. Maybe it's to attract the right, you know, partnerships or whatever it is. And so, you know, what, what you'll see is, you know, for us in my own personal family office, my portfolio of investments is extremely diversified, but the common theme is whoever is the operator in that investment is best in class. They've spent their life in that industry, whether it's food and beverage, whether it's real estate, whether it's an operating company, whether it's a tech company. And we try to align ourselves and partner with and invest in CEOs and founders that are world-class, that are, that are, you know, category experts. And what we, we've got, you know, over-the-top phenomenal returns with that thing. It's not trying to be the expert in everything, but it's trying to partner with the experts in everything. That makes so much sense. And I think you just made a very important distinction that I want to make sure everybody grasped onto there. Because I think a lot of people spend time trying to build up their weaknesses to try and figure out how to be the best in everything. When in reality, from what I'm hearing from you, Casey, it's more important that you identify what you're excellent at, which you can become best in class at and maximize that and then bring other people in maybe to, I don't want to say hide your blind spots or cover your blind spots. You really can do something, which is just phenomenal advice. But my question to you is if somebody doesn't have the capital, because the mentor relationship really does have to go back and forth. That's how you're able to align yourself plus your reputation, what you bring to the table. What is somebody that maybe doesn't have some of those resources, but has that hunger? They have that passion. They want to be part of the industry. How do they put themselves in a position to get noticed by these people? But re resources are not the problem. Like resources are not the problem. We have resources all around us. And so anybody that says, hey, I don't have the money. I don't have the capital. I don't have the education. I don't have the, the, the reputation. I don't have this. That's actually not the, the problem. You know, um, I, I heard this example the other day, but like, you know, all of us have been in this situation where we don't have money and a friend or a family member or somebody gets sick and we step up to the plate and we say, I will take care of you. And we go figure out a way to go make it happen. And what happened was we just raised our standard and, and we level up. And so um, I, I would challenge everybody and I've experienced this in my own life and I have to be deliberate in, you know, rem reminding myself of this principle that, that resources are not the problem. It's lack of resourcefulness. It's how do I take the, the ingredients that are all around me and make them better. And it happens by degrees. It's, it's moving stuff forward on a daily basis. And most of that comes down to number one standards, just who are you? What, what are you going to accept in the world? And then number two, your rituals. It takes time to go build capabilities. And so you got to start down the road. If, if, if you want to be an investor, you got to start down that road and it's going to take you 10,000 hours of education. And so there, there's no better time to start than today in grabbing a book or grabbing a podcast or grabbing, you know, a mentor or a combination of all of them, which is what I'd recommend. And just making a decision that on a weekly basis, I'm going to have this as a part of my life on a weekly and on a daily basis. And so, you know, anybody that's in a spot where they today, they are not where they want to be. Guess what? All of us are in that spot. Two degrees everybody that there's a level that all of us have aspirations or goals that we want to go grow to, or we want to go get to that. We're not there today. We don't have the resources. We don't have the skills. We don't have the relationships. 
but it's the same process to go from, you know, if you don't understand calculus, you need to go back to the foundation. You got to go do algebra before you're doing cal calculus. And so there's steps to go be the best in something. And you just, you got to pay the piper. You got to go pay the price. I totally agree. What's your, what's your thought on paying for knowledge? What's your thoughts on coaching? What's your thoughts on investing capital into that? Um, I think there's a lot of garbage coaches. And so I'd, I'd be very selective on where you invest that money, but there's no better money than I've ever spent than on education. You know, I had an experience when I was 21 years old. Um, I went and made, you know, $2,000 and I was so excited. It was the kind of the first real money that I'd ever made. And I go to this seminar um, to invest my money, to give that $2,000 to somebody to go make me wealthy. And, you know, my mindset was right. It was like, hey, you should go like invest this money. What was missing was I was completely ignorant. I didn't have any skills and I was looking for somebody else to go save the day for me so that I could pass the ball to somebody else to go get it done. And to, to the guy's credit, he, he did me the biggest solid that anybody's ever ever done for me. He got up in front of the group and this guy was extremely well-spoken. He was confident and um, he, he, he dropped some knowledge bombs on me that I'll, I'll never forget. They changed my life. Um, but he basically said, there's no such thing as a good investment. There's only good investors. And if you don't know what a good investment is, leave your money in the bank, go invest in yourself, go invest in your human life value so that when a good opportunity or investment shows up, you can recognize it. You can see it with your own eyes. And I took his advice literally. And I, I remember I went home and this is back in the day before, you know, technology existed like it, it does today. And I went to Barnes and Noble and literally bought every audiobook that they had on the shelf on business and sales and, and on investing, I bought, you know, and I can still remember them to this day. It was rich dad, poor dad. It was, it was think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. It was seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. It's good to great by Jim Collins. It was, it was literally 50 of these audiobooks, And I spent every dollar that I had on these books and on an iPod. And I went home and, you know, to my fiance at the time, my wife, and I just said, Hey, yeah, I was just on fire. And I was like, I'm going to listen to all of these and they're going to make us wealthy. And she's looking at me kind of sideways, like sweet, you know, who am I marrying? But honestly I did that and I've continued to do that. And I look at my ability to create value and spot opportunity today. And it stems from 15 or 17 years of being consistent with that process of investing myself, of learning a little bit every day of trying to, surround myself by the best leaders and the best mentors and try to take a piece of that and apply it to my life. It's amazing. The knowledge principle is just, it's spot on. And, and it's exactly, it goes back to exactly what we said before. And I'm going to restate the quote I said, there's never, it's never a lack of, of not, it's, it's never a lack of, of books, of podcasts, all that stuff is, is out there. It's, it's a lack of your willingness to go consume it. So that it's just, everything you said is dead on. And I appreciate the fact that even somebody as successful as you is still going out there and continuing to learn and push yourself to that next level. So that's amazing. And I'd imagine a lot of the stuff that you went back to, it's, it's timeless, right? That's why when you picked that stuff up so long ago, you're probably replaying and, and, and re reworking back through some of those strategies of those initial books that you picked up, right? Those, those lessons don't expire with you. Yeah, it's principle-based. You know, principles never expire. They're just truth. 
And so when you learn truth, you know, and, and if you can align your habits and your rituals with principles, that's where you go see kind of lifelong success. If it's totally practice based, you know, anybody that's saying, Hey, you know, go lose 10 pounds in two weeks or go do this, you know, those are gimmicky. They're practices and they're not, you know, they're, they're not based off of principles. They're not based off of kind of the law of the harvest and the, the law of the farm. And so, you know, you just got to make sure that you align yourself with principles you got to align yourself with truth. And, and so much of it is just digging it, sifting to go find, you know, I, I have different mentors for different things. You know, my parents, they're the greatest mentors that I could ever have, but they're not mentors on how to go raise venture capital because they don't know how to do that. So I got to go find different mentors for that. You know, if I want a mentor on how to, you know, how to raise good kids and how to, you know, stay married for 50 years, my parents are those mentors. But if it's, you know, how to go raise venture capital or how to go, you know, start a real estate business, I got to go find experts, you know, subject experts in those fields. Makes total sense. My question to you would be, again, I'm, I'm really trying to make sure there's a lot of practical value here for people listening. When you, how do you go identify those people? You mentioned best in class, right? You're not just going on Google and I'm really making this arbitrary and typing who's best in class in venture capital, right? How are you putting yourself out there? How does the person listening to this start building these relationships? Um, really, really, really good question. You know, um, the books is kind of like the lowest hanging fruit, you know, Steve jobs, who's one of the best entrepreneurs that's ever lived. You can go get access to his podcasts and his books and you don't need to go meet Steve jobs personally. Like all that information is there. Stephen Covey, you know, that I feels like the person I named one of my kids Covey strictly cause he, he influenced me so much. Um, but as far as learning about like a, a process and a system to go build my habits around, um, he influenced me more than anybody else. And he does, you know, he never knew my name, um, but he, he changed my life and he changed my kids and people I associate's life. And so I think, you know, I think more than finding who the person is, it's getting really, really clear on your outcome. So if you can go figure out what your outcome is, it's amazing, you know, how many resources are there to go support that outcome. But if you're a ship without a rudder, you know, if, if you don't have a plan on, you know, if you're, if you're in Utah and you're driving in New York and you don't have a map, you know, it doesn't matter how hard or how aggressive or how passionate you are. You're just never going to get to your destination. But if you have GPS, then all of those other characteristics, you know, become really important. If you drive faster, you get there quicker. If you, you know, Makes total sense. Yeah. Again, I think the, the reason I asked you that question is you brought up another great point earlier in this interview about how many, when I asked you about coaches, you said there's a lot of garbage out there, which I totally agree with. It feels like more now than ever, there's a lot of people with drive, but maybe they're getting that shiny object syndrome because of what you just mentioned, how they don't have the outcome crystallized, or they're taking bad advice from different coaches. They're spending resources on people that they shouldn't be. How do you cut through the noise? How do you figure out who's real? Um, I mean, for me, some of the best coaches I've ever had, they're not actually coaches. They're just mentors. They're just people who are doing, actually doing the things that I want to go do. So somebody that's financially independent, that'd be a really great place to start. If you want to be financially independent, somebody who's 
been a world-class entrepreneur and started businesses, that's a really great place to start. And those are local in every community in every small community, there's going to be a great entrepreneur. There's going to be a great, you know, and so, and what I've found is actually people are super cool. Like people want to give back. People want to contribute. And if you'll just, you know, put yourself out there and ask people, my experience is that people have opened their doors to me more times than they have. And I actually can't remember too many times. You know, I actually can't remember any times off the top of my head that I've been really sincere and asked somebody to help and they just haven't helped. I'm sure it's happened, but for the most part, people are really eager to, to help and they want to add value into their life and they get significance out of making your life better. And so, you know, that, that is probably what I'd say is best place to start is step number one is you got to figure out where you're going. And then step number two, go figure out the people who've done it, who blazed that trail from like a professional coaching. I mean, I, I've never, I, I went to Harvard business school, their executive education is phenomenal. Um, which, you know, is actually accessible. It's expensive. You know, I've spent a lot of money going to Harvard and continue to because I really value it. Um, Tony Robbins is like, went and did his business mastery course and it was life changing for me. And, you know, I think he's 62 years old, like you're going to fast forward 20 years and he's just not going to be around. And so I think there's a unique window right now. If people have access to go do his events, I know I'm, I'm going out to do another one of his events in November, but it's the first event he's done live in two years. And so, you know, all of us just went through this COVID experience where a lot of these live events have kind of disappeared. And so it's kind of taking advantage of opportunities when they're right in front of your nose. Um, but if there's any place that you can go invest, invest in yourself, would be one of the best, if not the best source of capital. You're going to get such a better return on your, your human life value, value and your ability to produce than, than any, you know, marketplace type investment. I totally agree. And I, I want to echo one thing you said there because I feel exactly the same. And it's exactly what happened when I reached out to you about this interview. When you're sincere and you're genuine and you reach out to somebody and genuinely look to add value, because again, the mentor relationship has to go both ways. If that person truly is successful, the biggest indicator that they are actually successful is probably going to be their willingness to help. I don't know if you would agree with that. Um, you know, that there's some people that probably just don't like to help. Okay. But fair enough. In my in my in, in, in my experience, there's more than enough that, you know, they actually love to do it. You know, it, it brings them great pride to be able to kind of leave a legacy or contribute to somebody that's, you know, more junior, you know, that they can give a hand up to. So I think human nature, there's nothing that fulfills us more than giving back. You know, it's kind of one of those super needs that all of us have. And so, you know, we get value, but also the person who's contributing gets a lot of value from those conversations. Totally agree. Yeah. And, and it's the same exact thing with that, with a gentleman that I interviewed a couple of days ago, who's legitimately a billionaire where for him, he has a life coach and he was told, look, if you don't give back and you don't teach this to other people, you're going to, you're going to end up missing out on a big part of this fulfillment. And that's really the biggest part that I wanted to get from, I wanted the audience to get from this conversation with you is that it's great to be successful, but it's a big thing to bring other people along and make other people's lives a bit easier along the way. And, and going back to door to door with you, Casey, where, where I really met you, that's why anytime your name is brought up with anybody in this industry, people have nothing but amazing things to say about you because you've always led with your heart and you've always went ahead and mentored people 
and really help people to end up in a better place. And that's what I think is really the biggest thing that stands out to me amongst the actually truly successful people. Because it's one thing to have a great deal of money, but that doesn't make you successful in my opinion. So, you know, with that, you know, I, I think that's the biggest component of this. So Casey, you know, coming up on the 40 minute mark here, man, this has been an absolutely incredible interview. Uh, but just to kind of put a bow on this, man, where, where are you going from here? What is the next 10, 15, 20 years for Casey Ba look like? Where, where can we expect to see you and this, this continue rise that I have no doubt we'll see in your life? I, I, you know, I, I've never had more fun in my career than I'm having right now. And, you know, I think there's times and seasons and chapters for everything. And so just, you know, I loved high school. I loved high school sports, but I don't have aspirations to go back and play high school sports. <laughs> you know, and I, I love my door to door career. It was like, it, it was so special for me. It was so foundational in every way. And I use all of those skills today you know on a consistent basis but I don't have any aspirations to go back and you know go do door-to-door sales and so I think it's you know just building building on the foundations that you have and going and you know making the biggest impact in the world and so for me you know the the next 10 to 20 years I see myself you know I, I teach at the university I teach up at BYU I teach entrepreneurship and so I like that you know that's something that I've done for two and a half years now and really enjoy. And so, you know, some aspect of that, I think I'll keep doing. Um, I, I run my own personal family office. And so just investing in real estate, investing in hard assets, oil and gas and operating companies and venture deals is something that, you know, I love doing, you know, I, lo- I love deal making. And, you know, and then on the professional front, I'm a partner in a private equity firm called Sandlot that, you know, we've deployed over 200 million in, um, in equity in the last, in the last 12 months. And, you know, it, it's super fun. It's all the skills that I learned doing door to door. It's sales, it's, um, deal making, it's negotiation, it's, um, raising capital and, 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 you know, it's something that we're good at. We've got a good little team and it's kind of something that's scalable. You can go do it for a lot of years. And so, those are kind of the things that I see myself doing. And then as far as, you know, from a personal standpoint, I've got five kids, you know, we, we just adopted our, our, our fifth kid. And so, you know, going and being a good dad and, you know, I, I, I want to go coach my kids teams and I want to go allocate that, that time and effort and energy to go just be a, be a great dad and a great husband, you know? And so I think all those things factored in, you know, are kind of, where, you know, my, my personal philosophy on life is, you know, the true growth and true, true fulfillment comes from two things. It comes from growing and progressing and then giving back. And so if I can be growing as a human and then I can find a big way to go contribute to the world, those are kind of the two aspects that, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, doing what God put me on this, on this earth to go do. And so that, that's kind of my, my intention is to go do that. Amazing. And I hope everybody can see at this point, just from his, his closing remarks there, why I wanted to have this guy on the podcast and just his mindset in general and just who he is as a person. It, it just shines through. So Casey, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. I appreciate you carving out some time here. I know 
I took some personal value from this. I know the audience is going to take some value from this. So thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I look forward to connecting you again in the future. Okay. I loved it. Thank you. Take care. Bye.